Are we on here? Sounds like it. Um, very good. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, welcome here to Connect Church. It is a uh, uh, honor to be here with you today. I hope that you are doing well. Um, if you are new here, my name is Craig Spivey. I serve um, as a member of our leadership team here at Connect Church, and I am uh, excited, honored uh, to be able to uh, be here this morning as we look uh, into our introduction to the book of Romans. Uh, If you will recall from last week, uh, we are moving into our series on Romans. Uh, We'll be teaching and preaching and studying one of the richest books of Scripture. Last week, Thad taught through different approaches, tools, for us to use as we're studying God's Word. If you missed that message, I highly encourage you to download that. You can find it on our website. You can find it on iTunes. Um, But please download that. Give it a listen uh, this week. Uh, It's certainly worth your time, and it will be, I believe, a great help to you as we move into this uh, time studying Romans uh, that we would get more and more from God's Word. If you want to find yourself uh, studying God's Word deeper, passionately, the first place to start is to ask God for a hungry spirit to pray often and make the time sacrifice to read and meditate on God's Word. Also, last week, I told you guys we have these journals for you on this table right there. If you did not get one, uh, please grab one before you leave today. What these are is a handheld journal. Uh, On the left-hand side, you're going to have the scripture from Romans. It contains chapters 1 through 16. And on the right-hand side, you have blank lined pages. Um, Use that in your time studying the Word. Write down questions that come to you from the text. Write down thoughts. Uh, Write down your praises that come to your heart and your mind as you see the beauty of God in his word. So please, if you did not grab one, get one today. We have plenty of them. We ordered enough for everyone. So what I hope to do today is introduce you specifically to the book of Romans. We want to set the appropriate context here before we wade into the depth found in Romans. Romans contains some of the most beautiful deep, rich, profound thoughts found in all of Scripture. Martin Luther said, referring to the book of Romans, he called it the purest gospel. Romans chapter 8, often referred to as the greatest chapter in all of Scripture, and said along with that, if you understand Romans chapter 8, you understand all of the gospel. As leaders of Connect Church, we are and have been eagerly praying that as we move into our study of Romans, that we all will fall even more in love with God through the amazing truth we're going to encounter in this book. So would you pray with me now, and as we pray, let's ask the Lord for his spirit to instruct us to move and direct our hearts, to illuminate his word for our eyes and for our ears. So pray with me. 
Father, thank you that we can be here this morning, that we can be in, in one place gathered for one purpose, and that is to sing your praises, to worship you, Father. We thank you we can sit here with your, your scripture, with your word in our hands, and we can read it freely. We can know all there is to know of you, God, through your word. Father, we pray that this morning your spirit would guide us in all we do. Uh, we ask that your spirit would uh, give us a, a passion, a hunger for your word. Show us from your word what it is you want us to, to learn today, God. God, we ask that for uh, the sin in our life that your spirit would lead us to repentance, confession, Father, and that we would bring that before you, trusting in your forgiveness for our sin. Let us deal with that now. God, give us a clean heart as we look into your word. Father, I just pray that this time, this morning, uh, we would see you as you truly are, a sovereign, holy, righteous, loving, kind, patient, gentle, merciful, wrathful, and ruling God. We thank you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do, we are going to read verses 1 through 7 in chapter 1. Now today we are not going to be diving deeply into these verses, but what I want to do is use them to help set our context in place. Uh, 1 through 7 is Paul's greeting, the introduction to his letter uh, to the church at Rome. So he is making, he is essentially describing who he is to this church, who this letter is coming from. But we'll have it on our screen, you can turn in it in your Bibles, but please read with me verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So our first piece of context that we have to consider that we have to take into account this morning is the author of this letter is quite clear here, and it's not going to be a surprise to you, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, is attributed as the author for this letter. Uh, Now, just so that you aren't confused, I have no no idea when we will actually get to Romans 16, but I don't want you to be uh, startled or surprised when we get there. But Paul did not physically write the letter, so don't confuse the two. But chapter 16, verse 22 is clear. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Now, Tertius was a known scribe, someone who would write or document for his profession. He wrote the words that came from Paul. So while we're not going to spend time actually talking about him, and as we move forward, Simply, we're going to refer to Paul as the author of this book, as verse 1 does. 
We just don't want you to be startled when we get to chapter 16. Now, it's believed Paul authored this letter around 56 or 57 A.D. To put that time frame in perspective, if you remember back when we studied through the book of Acts, we talked about the main part of Paul's life in Acts, and that was that he completed three missionary journeys to the West. This time period specifically would have been his third and final missionary trip. Paul composed Romans on his return back to Jerusalem. If you remember, he went to the small churches he had already planted, and he was collecting a gift to bring back to the church in Jerusalem. Specifically, it's assumed Paul authored this letter while he was staying in Corinth. In chapter 16, as Paul is concluding, he's wrapping up this letter, he mentions individuals like Phoebe, Gaius, and Erastus, who are known to be residents of Corinth. So with this timeline in mind, it's clear Paul would have authored this letter before he ever visited the church in Rome, which he makes clear again in chapter 1. Paul desperately wanted to visit these believers. Paul himself was a Roman citizen. He wanted to go there, but even more importantly, he wanted to go to Rome and then he wanted to go to Spain. That was going to be his end goal. However, Paul, however, Paul had not been yet to Rome. As John MacArthur would say, it was in God's providence. Paul's inability to visit Rome gave the world this inspired masterpiece of gospel doctrine. While Paul was unsure if he would ever see these people, it wasn't until after he got back to Jerusalem that the Lord appeared to Paul and told him that he would proclaim Jesus in Rome before Caesar. And at that point, Paul began orchestrating, maneuvering all of his different legal appeals to get to Caesar in Rome. But if you remember before then, Paul was nearly killed just in his transport. They had the same plot when he was going back. This letter to Romans was from a man who desperately wanted to share the gospel and this doctrinal truth we find with his fellow brothers and sisters in Rome. So who are these people? Verse 7 tells us, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Paul was definitely writing to the Christian believers in Rome. We may be asking ourselves, if Paul was the primary missionary to the West at that time, and Paul had not yet been to Rome, how did the gospel get to this area? Again, we'll find the answer to that back in Acts chapter 2. Verses 5 through 8, we'll have them on the screen, and then we're going to also look at verse 10. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak, that is, hearing the disciples of Jesus speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? And then verse 10, Prygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome. So if you remember, the disciples are gathered in the room there in Jerusalem after Christ has been crucified and the Holy Spirit comes upon them like a flaming tongue. They begin speaking. They begin speaking 
And everyone in the area began to hear in their own language. And we see here that includes visitors from Rome. The amazing work of the Holy Spirit in Acts to spread the gospel to those from Rome during Pentecost. Those people would have then returned back to their homes. And that would begin the foundation of the church in Rome. The church would have originally been comprised of both Jewish believers and then Gentile believers. However, the audience in Rome, when this letter specifically was written, would have been majority Gentile believers. We see that fairly clearly in the actual context and the text that we have in these 16 chapters of Romans. But also we know that it's documented in AD 49, the Roman leader Claudius expelled the Jews out of Rome. He sent them out, and it's believed he sent them out over their dispute about Jesus. So if we keep that in our mind, the majority audience being Gentile believers who more than likely had never sat under direct teaching from the apostles, Paul's letter to Rome is his most doctrinal in nature. Romans is filled to the brim with doctrine. It's filled with theology. Unlike many of his other letters he wrote to a specific church, Paul was not clearly writing to address an issue of sin or discipline within a local church. There was not a specific instance Paul was writing this letter to address. However, Romans is to teach and build up the believers into sound biblical theology. And this makes sense. It's consistent with what Paul would also write to Ephesians in chapter 2. The work of those more mature in the faith is to build up others to maturity in Christ. So I want us to look at some of the actual themes, some of the doctrine we're going to find in Romans. Again, what John MacArthur would say here, the overarching theme of Romans is the righteousness that comes from God. The glorious truth that God justifies guilty, condemned sinners by by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Chapters 1 through 11 present the theological truth of that doctrine, while chapters 12 through 16 detail its practical outworking in the lives of individual believers and the life of the whole church. To shed some light on just a handful of the theological and doctrinal teachings we're going to find in the book of Romans. In chapters 1 through 3, you have the universality of sin. Chapters 5, you have the imputation of sin from Adam into humans. Chapter 2, God's sole right to deliver judgment for that sin. Chapters 1 and 2 are going to compare and contrast righteousness and wrath. We're going to see a full Christology, that is, who is Jesus Christ? We'll study the atonement for sins through Jesus Christ. Chapters 3 and 4, we look at justification by faith. Chapters 6 through 8, we see sanctification in the life of a believer. Chapter 9, God's role in salvation. Chapter 11, God's plan for the church of Israel. We're going to see spiritual gifts. And then the closing of this book, we look at Christian living. How 
the believer is to relate to one another, how the believer is to relate to government. And what makes Romans so unique is that so many of these essential Bible truths are found here and expounded upon. Paul wanted to present to the believers in Rome a whole picture of God. So in this time, if you would, read with me again verses 1 through 6 in chapter 1. But this time, focus on what Paul is saying in these statements. This is Paul's greeting, but in reality, it is so much more. Look at the profound theological truths we see in just his greeting right here. Beginning in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant there indicating there's something to be owed to one. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Set apart to be set aside for holiness. We see here, our life has a purpose. Your day has a purpose. Your job your family, everything you do, you are set apart for the gospel of God in all things. Verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son. So what is that good news? What is that gospel? It's his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and who was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. In Paul's first six verses in his greeting, which we're going to look at in depth, specifically in these verses next week, Paul expounds on so much. Christ's fulfillment as the promised Messiah, king in the line of David as prophesied in the Old Testament, Christ's defeat of death, the purpose for our lives, the reason for faithful obedience. So, what I want to do today I want us to consider three challenges as we go from here. And as we consider the context of Romans, as we look forward to our study into Romans, I want you to take and take these three challenges and apply them to your life. And the first one is quite simple. Between today, between next week, would you read and meditate on Romans chapter 1? You see, there's, there's no area of our life that God will not speak to. There's no area of our life that God's word does not speak to. We're often wanting to hear from God. But if we want to hear from God, we must meet God in his word and in prayer. So as we get ready for our study, take every day. Digest God's word. Read chapter 1. It's 32 verses. Read this. Make notes. Write down what you see of God in this text. What this text speaks of you. How we relate to God. How can we relate to God? Write these things down. Meditate on them. Pray over them. Because this leads into our our second challenge here. The number two. Don't shut down on theology. Romans 
It's a very deep book. There are preachers that have spent decades studying and preaching through these 16 chapters in Romans. Romans is quite deep. And often we're tempted to shut down when we hear the word theology or doctrine. But I would beg you to consider our theology, our doctrine, that is what we believe to be true of God, matters in how we live our life. What we know and believe about God will dictate what we do in this life. How we will love, how we will serve other people. How we will seek to grow the kingdom. If we're tempted to shut down on theology, pray this week specifically for the Lord to grant patience and understanding as we read and meet him in his word. Paul thought it was so important to share this letter with these people he had not met. He didn't know if he ever would meet them. Because he knew that this would direct their lives. If he could share only one thing with them, this was his message he sent them. This message, which was full of rich theological arguments, Paul knew it was important that true doctrine and true theology that's consistent with the word of God has to be the foundation of our lives. Right thinking and right belief will in turn guide us to right doing. Obedience, as verse 5 would share with us. And then our last challenge. Is obedience flowing from our faith? Is obedience flowing from what we believe? Verse 5 makes it clear that God's grace is given for our obedience, which in turn is to glorify his name among all the nations. Are we being obedient to the things God has put before us and called us for, as Paul would explain in these verses? If we know we're being disobedient, pray this week first for forgiveness and repentance. Then secondly, pray that God's Spirit would illuminate the disconnect in our thinking and in our actions, the disconnect in our belief and our actions, our belief and our obedience. Where is our disobedience rooted in our life? I hope These challenges will stick with you as we leave today. I hope that you will faithfully consider them throughout the week. And next week as we dive into this rich, rich letter, pray that God would be working in our hearts, be working in our mind today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, preparing us to receive his word every day that we meet him. It's a great blessing, the act of God's grace and mercy that we go home and we can have his word in our very home. We can have the entirety of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, as God has given it to us.
I'm afraid we often leave it sitting on a bookshelf. Far too often. Pray with me. The band's going to come and we're going to close in song this morning. Father, thank you um, for another another breath that we, you've given to us. Um, God, I thank you for the mighty privilege that we have to to know you. Um, God, we thank you foremost for your Son that you chose to send your Son. You chose to send your Son to provide a payment for the sin we could not pay. For your glory. God, we thank you for that. Um, God, would we would we be faithful to meet you? Meet you in your word, meet you in prayer. Um, before we, we throw other other junk, other things in our, our minds, uh, in our hearts, God. We pray this this day, we pray this week for a passion for you, um, God, that you would begin to to grow in our hearts every day. Um, I pray that we would seek to do that together. I pray that we would seek to do that as a body, as one. Father, you, you give us a rich blessing in community that we are not isolated and alone, but we join together in this pursuit of you. We thank you for that. God, I pray over our teaching as we move forward that in all we seek to teach, proclaim, God, that we would be faithful to your word, be faithful to what is true, God, and that you would speak through everyone on this stage your words for your glory that we would never proclaim our own words Father we pray that we would be faithful to you we thank you for the many blessings we have it's in Christ's name that